Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Jacqueline. And it's Alana. Welcome back to another episode of Black and Yellow. We're back. And we are talking about our favorite effing F word today. Yes, my favorite F word. I I'm, use it all the time. I'm so effing excited. You're so effing excited? I can't effing I'm tell you. I'm super effing excited too. Ugh. Like with a capital F. <laughs> Okay, okay, sorry. We're getting, we're very excited about today's episode. We will rein in this annoying <laughs> F word joke. Okay, but in all seriousness, yes, yes. we are talking about perhaps the most rad F word in our English language, yep. at least to us. Right. <laughs> and that F word is feminism. Feminism. Mm hmm. Feminism. <laughs> Though we're not talking about feminism in the way that you might expect. Yes. We're not here to... I don't know what you guys are expecting, but... Well, I hope you're expecting only good stuff. But we're here... It'll be good. We are here to ask the question for you guys and ourselves, obviously. Feminism, a movement, or or an an excuse. And when did it become an excuse... How did it become an excuse? Why did it become an excuse? Where is the movement? What's happening with the movement? How did the movement become? Where did it come from? All this stuff. We are going to dissect that F word and figure out where the hearts and the veins and everything is. So the blood is pumping in the movement. Yes, exactly. Yeah, totally. So Jackie and I got the idea to do this episode. It was based on two uh, very brief stories that I'll tell you. So a friend of mine was telling me about a wedding that he recently went to in Texas. And he had asked his friend, I think it was like a friends with benefits kind of situation, hmm. um, to be his date to the wedding. And he flew her out and he put her up in her own room and the whole nine. And when he asked her at the wedding reception if she wanted to dance, she said no. He said, okay, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Do me a favor. Please don't dance with any other guys. Well, sure enough, he smokes, comes back in. She is dancing with another dude. And when he asked her about it, her answer was, I'm a feminist. I can do what I want. Now, mind you, this girl is in Texas on someone else's dime claiming feminism when essentially the one thing that this friend of hers asked her to not do, she did. And I was like, wait, hold on. Huh? That was her answer? She's a feminist. She can do what she wants? Yeah, that was my answer to you. That was my, that my, that was my answer to you when you told me the story. Right. It was like yeah. a confusing moment for the both of us where right. we were like, um, okay, I <laughs> guess feminism can be an excuse for poor behavior. Right. I suppose. I remember being like, it's not about you being a feminist, but it's about you respecting your friend who flew you out here. It's about being kind and nice. Right. And not because you're a feminist at all. And if feminism is about equality, which we'll get into a little bit later, if you're on a man's dime, the playing field is already not fair. Yeah. So I think to claim feminism in this particular instance was really confusing because it's like, well, he flew. Fly yourself out here. That's right. Do whatever the fuck you want. Right. Right. Don't have him fly you out here and then. Do whatever the hell you want and call it feminism. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (sighs) Story two, I was at a rather crowded neighborhood bar a couple days ago, and there was a long line. There was not enough bartenders, and so obviously, like, the line is piling up, and these two young girls come blandering their way in. They cut the line, and they order their drinks. There's a cluster of guys behind them, and one of the guys nicely says, hey, we've been waiting in line for a while. Um... Do you mind just getting behind us in line? That's only fair. And her response to him was, I'm a feminist. If you have a problem with it, deal with it. That was her answer. And again, I found myself going, what? When did feminism become an excuse for poor behavior? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's ultimately what it boils down to. Yeah, like... How is that valid? How is that okay? Because... How is that equality? Yeah, you're... You're, you're making it, you're, you're almost doing not the opposite, but you're, you're not empowering it at all. You're just, like you said, it's just bad behavior. Right. And you pushing your way in line to get a drink before other honest people, men and women Mm -hmm. who have been waiting patiently Mm -hmm. to order drinks as Mm -hmm. well is not good for the movement as a whole and you're not rising up you're not building up any other women 
with, with you. With you, yeah. Like your need to push in line and get your drink before everybody else basically says I'm more important than all of you guys. So f- fuck you. So fuck you, basically. <laughs> Using the other F word. The, uh, the second favorite the F second word. The second favorite F word. Feminist and fuck. Those are the two best yeah. F words in the English language. <laughs> so that is what we're talking about today. We're talking about when did feminism become an excuse? And mm-hmm. perhaps for some of you ladies and gentlemen listening... Perhaps this is new information to you, or maybe you've had uh, events happen to you that are kind of similar. Yeah, or maybe a feeling of like, that's not right, or you don't really know how to pinpoint it, or you hear someone say that, and something inside of your gut just tells you that this isn't right, and maybe you've never been able to voice it or really think about it. You know, we think about things all the time, but do we ever have time to really, like, dive in and be like, what was that all about? Let's go back. Because we're so busy, and it's not like we're journaling 24-7 or seeing our therapist 24-7. So Mm -hmm. there's, you know, things get brushed by. And so we were just really both, I think, intrigued by this. And as, I think because you and I, we both call each other feminists, and we... We we don't wear it like it's like 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 a fucking tattoo on our forehead. No, I think just by who we are, we represent something like that. You know. Nor do I use it as an excuse when I'm being an <laughs> asshole. Trust me, when I'm being an asshole, I will tell you I feel like being an asshole. Right. Like, I have no problems with that. And but I, I'm not gonna hide behind a movement. Right. To build, uplift women, and right. also a movement where women are fighting for equality towards men. Right. And I think that's why it struck a chord with you and I both because mm-hmm. we were just thinking sort of along the lines of that that's not okay mm-hmm. at all to do that. You're almost just cowering versus taking responsibility for maybe just being a bitch. Yeah. Which is fine. No, Have I... a bitch moment. But don't call it fem- feminist, you know? Totally. Though, Jackie, some feminists would say, bitch, that's not a nice word to use when talking to other women. <sighs> so... I know. So here we are. No one's perfect. Yeah. But we're going to explore why feminism has become and the new excuse, the new go to excuse. Yes. For women that may or may not actually be feminists. Right. So let me ask you, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. what is what is your definition of uh, feminism? So I like the bell hooks definition. Do you know who she is? Uh, you've talked about her a couple times, but what? Tell me more. She's an author. She's an African American author, okay. socialist, and badass feminist. I'm awesome. sorry, activist, not socialist, and badass feminist. And okay. I really like her definition of feminism, which is feminism is a movement to end sexism, sexist exploitation, and oppression. Mm. Clean, simple, easy. It's goal oriented. Yeah. You know where you want the movement to go. Right. And I like this definition of feminism, A, because. In this research for the show, I've noticed that a lot of other people define feminism in a way that puts men down. Mm, versus uplifting them? Not necessarily versus uplifting them, but puts men down and makes all men seem like the enemy. Yes. And I don't agree with those definitions. You and I are on the same page on that, for right. sure. Because, A, we all have to live in this world, men and women and everyone in between. Right. Uh, cohesively yes. and compassionately. As counterparts. Yeah. So yeah. we can't paint all men as the enemy Mm-mm. because we're going to need men as sponsors, as allies. mentors, as allies. Friends. Right. Lovers. Definitely. So yeah. we can't paint all men as bad. I also like this definition because it's not just men that can be sexist towards women. Women can be sexist towards women, too. Absolutely. And I sometimes feel like that gets lost Mm. when talking about feminism. I see. Where it's like, let's take down the feminist guy, which is fine, but let's not forget that we can all be a little bit sexist ourselves. Sure, yeah. Whatever we've learned, preconceived notions, our beliefs, our learned behaviors, all of that. Yeah. And like to me, the most basic form of sexism from one woman to another woman is when one woman slut shames another woman. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that to me is like the most uh, commonplace yeah, right. way of being sexist towards other women. And I think that it's important that anyone that claims to be a feminist and is really fighting for women's rights and women's equality has to recognize yeah. that if you are a woman, you can harbor sexist views right. towards other women, too. So right. it's not just men who are responsible for ending sexism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's all of us. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you 100 percent on that. So that's the one that I choose to go with, though there is another good one out there. It's by Barbara Smith. Do you know who she is? 
no. I, I feel like this is like so. a guessing game. I'm totally not trying <laughs> no, to make no, no. it a guessing it's okay. game. I can guess, but I maybe her face more than her name. I'm I think sure. you would recognize her face totally if I showed you a picture. But she's another African-American writer. She's a socialist. She's also uh, a lesbian feminist as well. And her definition is a little bit more... Uh, long-winded. Her definition of feminism is the political theory and practice that struggles to free all women, women of color, working class women, poor women, disabled women, Jewish women, lesbians, old women, mm. as well as white, economically privileged, heterosexual women. Mm. So I often toggle back and forth between those. I prefer Bells because Bells is a bit more specific yeah. and goal-oriented. Yeah, definitely. But I do like the inclusion of Barbara Smith's definition of feminism. Right. So I felt like it was worth uh, throwing out there on the show. I see. Yeah. That's good. They're both really good. I think I read hers somewhere and I went, wow, this is fantastic. See, you do know Barbara Smith. <laughs> you do know Barbara Smith, girl. What about you, though? What do you, How do you define feminism? I think from the top of my head, if I were to just think about it, you know, really quickly, I... It would be just equality, simple, okay. easy for both genders. Um, okay, so we're going that, way back, old school. Yeah, okay. and just sort of equality like across the board. Got it. Like from everything to, you know, from race to sexual orientation to abilities, uh, abilities religion, religion, everything right. that it should all be equal. Okay. It doesn't matter if you're gay or lesbian mm-hmm. or black or Asian or poor or rich. Yeah. You should have and I mean that's sort of what we're dealing with as a, hum- <laughs> human, a human kind race. as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to get too uh, deep here but uh, but I can't help it. It's it's just something I think that has been a god-given uh, ability for us to do and see and be and and somehow along the lines we've sort of I don't know just lost that, mm-hmm. you know, lost for a while now. And no wonder we have all these movements and things happening. I think there's a calling for it. There's a need. Definitely. And people are starving for it. Right. Um, they're like, they're so starved. And, and it's time. It's time that we really just become woke. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to our first episode, um, our pilot episode. Um, but yeah, just equality amongst everyone, um, regardless of, you know, who you are and what you are and what you like and your beliefs and all of that. Do you believe that a man can be a feminist? Um, I believe he can support. Yeah, I th- I think a man could be totally be a feminist. Okay, That's a yeah, great cool. question. Yeah, I yeah was have been thinking about that ever since we were planning on doing this episode. Yeah, I th- I think everything in the way he acts, like mm-hmm. the way he is with women, um, what he says, what he truly maybe his relationships with women, like you know his sisters, his mother. Um, I think men could definitely be that. And I think a lot of men have, I mean, I hope that they've said the right, especially in, you know, Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, those men, celebrities that have sort of said the right things yeah. to support these strong women. I don't mm-hmm. know how much of it is really truly them and them just obviously doing the right thing because they're a figure. PR. Yeah. But, um, but absolutely. I think the right the right upbringing or the right um, ability to self-reflect and realize that they also have some learned behaviors and, and, and you know, beliefs about women that mm-hmm. were instilled from their fathers or cultures or generation to generation, that isn't necessarily true. Yeah. And so if that becomes disillusioned, then there's a chance for uh, light to come through, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Like, what a great question. Yeah, I think men can be feminists. I mean, I'm kind of with Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, the writer, who says we should all be feminists. Yeah. And I think on some level, if you're fighting for equal rights or human rights, I think that we're all feminists if that's what you believe. If you believe all human beings should be equal and have the exact same rights, then aren't we all kind of feminists? We are. And it was interesting when I was doing also doing research for this episode. A lot of people, for whatever reason, obviously, well, reasons we'll get into pretty soon here, didn't like to use the word feminist. Yeah. And they were like, you know, when someone asks me, I usually don't say feminists or feminism. I usually say, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a believer in equal rights or mm-hmm. I am a so-and-so. Humanist. Yeah, for mm-hmm. equal this and all, you know. And I thought that was interesting. Like, it kept coming up over and over and over yeah. again. And that goes to show that there is some there's an attachment to that word that just... Even women, most of it were women who were like, I don't like being called that. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer this. And I was like, wow, okay. wonder what 
You yeah, know? definitely. I uh, I was definitely more struck by the amount of articles and op-eds that that were penned by women that said, I don't like the word feminism yeah. and here's why. Mm-hmm. I prefer humanist, I prefer equalist, I prefer egalitarian, but I don't like feminism yeah. because I feel like in our year of 2018, feminism has taken on a lot of different faces and facets. Yes. And some would argue that it's sort of gotten away from the, the original... True. Uh, movement as a whole, mm-hmm. which I mean, as the world changes and evolves, definitions of things like feminism and equal yeah, rights, it's going to change. Also evolve. Yeah, it's going to be ever evolving. But I think to really think about what is the truth of the movement to liberate and to create and to um, affect uh, these two counterparts, I think is maybe what people sort of have have lost in in this kind of new age with mm-hmm. all of this that's happening mm-hmm. um but yeah we're i mean you've done all this stuff where 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 how did it how did this movement all begin like where do you okay where do you let's go into a little bit of history so as we know feminism happens in waves essentially yes yes there's like th- we're in the fourth wave we're in the fourth the wave first one started in like the tw- late 20s? the late 19th early 20th century okay yes uh, With the suffrage movement exactly yeah. so first wave feminism uh started in the late 19th century and lasted until the early 20th century in the u.s and the uk and its main focuses were women's suffrage political candidacy opposing chattel marriages come on jackie ask me what a chattel marriage is ask me alana what what's a chattel marriage a chattel marriage is essentially a form of marriage where the husband owns the wife and Ooh. the children who are a product of their union. Oh! If you need some sort of like guide for what it could be similar to, just look up slavery. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> Thank you, teacher. Um, Damn, also- that's that's horrible that was that was what it was like in Uh, 1848 um they also fought for property rights but this wave of feminism kicked off in 1848 at the seneca falls convention Mm. where 300 women and men rallied for the equality of women so the desired outcome of this particular wave of feminism was to secure more opportunities for women particularly the right to vote Right. And Elizabeth Cady Stanton yep. was pretty much the rock star. Yeah, like the forefront. Exactly. Yeah. The forerunner of this movement. And um, she outlined the movement's ideology and political strategies. So the document that Cady Stanton wrote was a, a document that was modeled after the Declaration of Independence. And since securing the right to vote became the central focus, there were a lot of discussions about women's participation in politics. And these discussions led to an examination of the differences between men and women as they were viewed back in the day. So essentially, there were a lot of conversations about would women be beneficial in civic or political spheres? Ah, okay. And a lot of people said, yeah, women would be beneficial in those spheres. So first wave feminism in the U.S. came to a head in 1920 when the 19th Amendment was ratified. Woohoo! And women successfully secured the right to vote. Now, there was a downside. And that downside... Uh, was that many of the women in this movement were white and unwilling to include women of color in the vote. So if you and I were around back then, they would not have been fighting for our rights. They wouldn't have cared about us. They were woke, but they weren't like as woke as they needed to be. Right. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't that good. Yeah, like we'll give them the slide because they secured the right to vote. If it wasn't for them, and if anyone could have done it, it had to be them. Right, exactly. we didn't have say. Right. I wasn't probably even... Here <laughs> around, thought right. of. Um, there was also a lot of racist rhetoric towards women of color at that time, and that was probably uh, another reason. I'm uh, sure, a huge factor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's also interesting to note that the campaigns for women's suffrage began during the abolitionist movement. And supporters of the Declaration mm. of Sentiments, that was the document that Elizabeth Cady Stanton wrote, uh, were supported by abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass and by a really famous black feminist who you may know by the name of Sojourner, Sojourner Truth. Oh, yeah. uh, if you don't know who Sojourner Truth is face-wise, you probably know her from her infamous Ain't I a Woman speech at the 1851 convention. Yes, I, I remember this. I remember reading about it a lot when I was in um, 
It's a really school. dope speech. Yeah. And her name itself. Sojourner Truth. Oh, like, it, she just sounds like a woman that for, is not taking shit from seriously. anybody. Anything from her, like, you got it. Like, she wouldn't have had Donald Trump. Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> no she way. Get out, get like, out of her Ain't way. I a woman? Ain't you a fool? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel like Sojourner Truth. And he would have gotten it. He'd been like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I get. I, I guess. hope so. Mm. I'd like to think so. I but. would like to think so too, but who knows? Yeah. Old Donald over there. Okay, so okay. that was first wave feminism, and it was a success. I mean, we secured the right to vote. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, that's Dope. how it began, and so then we go into second the wave second feminism. wave, which is sort of the sixties and eighties. Is that what it is? Exactly. Yeah, sixties to the seventies up until I think the mid eighties, mm-hmm. and um, due to women's participation in World War II and the civil rights movement. Women were the front runners, or sorry, those events were the front runners leading up to second wave feminism. So this wave was dedicated to social and economic justice, Mm. where women were encouraged to fight for equality in all aspects of their life, including their sexuality and reproductive rights, having equal roles in the household and ending discrimination. So it sounds like this wave was actually more inclusive racially. Yes, 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 yes. And if you, I mean, if you look at also that that era, Right. You know, like music and like fashion and all this stuff, which I think helped a lot. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Second wave feminisms viewed cultural and political inequities as inextricably linked and urged women to understand aspects of their personal lives as deeply politicized and as reflecting sexist power struggles. So essentially, this was the wave where women were telling other women, look at what you look at the roles that you play in your life and see how patriarchy can feed into that Mm. and fight against that. This was also the wave where you started to see the feminist movement split into two, I guess you could call them sub-ideologies, if you will. So this wave of feminism was essentially split into two parts. You had two different groups. You had the equal rights feminists and you had the radical feminists. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you had equal rights feminists who focused on equality in the workplace and in the home, while radical feminists wanted to deconstruct gender roles and hoped to start an actual quite literal feminist revolution. Wow. So you had two different schools of thought. Right. And it seems like during this time, the two ends could not come to like a, an agreement. Ah, uh, like yeah. it clashed. Pretty much, yeah. This was also the wave of feminism that gave us a really famous and uh, groundbreaking excuse me, feminist ideology books. So this was the wave that gave us The Second Sex by Simone de Beauvier and Betty Friedman's The Feminine Mystique. Mm. I've read The Feminine Mystique. I did not read The Second Sex. Mm. But just to sort of give you some... a look into where the literature for feminism was also going at that time. I see, yeah. So even though there was a splitting of feminists during this time, there were successes during second wave feminism. So due to the ruling in the case of Roe v. Wade, abortion was legalized, job opportunities were created via the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. divorce divorce rights increased. That's awesome. And there was a spike in numbers of women running for political office. That's great. Yeah, it led to a change in attitudes about the role women played in society that's awesome yeah it was it was able to make them sort of subvert uh the gender roles they were playing inside and out of mm-hmm. the home sort of begin to like make a make a wave of like hey we're here you yeah know? We're, we're here to stay definitely we're I, serious about this correct yeah. uh though no wave of feminism is without flaws and i think the biggest flaw with second wave feminism was that the daughters of second wave feminists realized that it was not inclusive of all women. Mm. So this wave of feminism didn't necessarily uh, agree with Beverly Smith's definition of feminism. Um, So it wasn't inclusive of all women, meaning it did not acknowledge non-white, lower-class women or gay women. So that was, those were essentially the kids and teenagers of second wave feminism that were like. That were, hey, wondering, well, what about me? Yeah, yeah. What about those of us that are lower income, different right. colors, different sexualities? So that kicked off third wave feminism, which happened in the mid 90s as a reaction to the failures of second wave feminism. But it was also a backlash uh, against movements and initiated, created by second wave feminism. Mm. So it's sort of like a. Marge Simpson, Lisa Simpson, sort of like butting, butting of heads, yeah, 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 if you will, or if you're a Simpsons fan. Um, I'm a Simpsons fan. 
Awesome. Well, then, oh, so you totally get the yeah. idea of like you had Marge who realizes that you know the world is not exactly fair, right. but keeps on being the housewife that she is. Yep. And you've got Lisa who is incredibly radical, right? And it's like this is not right. I'm going to yeah, say I'm something. Gonna fight for it. I'm going to do something. Absolutely. So third wave feminism challenged or avoided what it was thought of. Sorry, second wave feminism challenged or avoided what it thought was the second wave's essentialist definition of feminism or femininity, excuse me, which they thought overemphasized the experiences of upper middle class white women. Ah, I can see that completely. So they were kind of like calling them out. Yeah, pretty much. And being like, well, what about us? Those of us Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. don't uh, perform femininity. I say that in quotes. The way that we are expected to. Right. Or because we weren't born with whatever privileges you already have. Right. Or the color of our skin doesn't mean that we're not entitled to whatever it is that you're also fighting for. Right. This was also in the riot girl movement. I have to say Uh, girl like that because the way that it's spelled in all my research was sort of like a growl. Um, This was also in the riot girl punk movement was going Uh on too. uh So third wave feminism had a focus on intersectionality. So this is when we start to get all inclusive. Yeah. As well as including the LGBT community and the trans community. Because up until third wave feminism, these non-cisgendered or non-heterosexual individuals were pretty much ignored. Yeah, definitely weren't acknowledged. This was also the movement where it seemed as though feminism was being criticized for being too academic. Huh. Like there was the sense you had to be like smart. Yeah, like the the knock on this particular wave of feminism because other uh, topics were being discussed at this time, like postmodernism and queer studies, were uh-huh. also were starting to become a thing in a lot of colleges and higher learning universities. There was a knock on feminism that it wasn't inclusive, in in that women who didn't have degrees in women's studies or sociology or weren't really up on the ins and outs of queer studies, uh, they felt largely alienated. Sure. Or they were at least, they felt as though they were made to feel like they weren't quote unquote real feminists because they didn't have the education that a lot of feminists at that time already had. Right, 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 right. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, honey, I have a BA in sociology and an MFA in women's studies. Therefore, I can write about this and right. you can't. Oh, you think you know feminism? Oh, no, 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 child, you do not. Which is complete bullshit. It is, because you know feminist, feminist, feminism, Jesus. <laughs> you know feminism by just being a woman. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think that just because one went to college or not, they are more or less of a feminist than someone who did. Shit, school is expensive. Yeah. College is expensive. Our schooling system here in the U.S. is way fucked up. It's so, I mean, that could be a whole episode in itself. It could. It is. Let us not go down that Yeah, it is so fucked up it's not even funny because yeah. you're taking you are responsible for educating these children anyways no yeah no, uh, you, you I know, think that you're and, completely right I think that this idea that and, I, and me and I sorry to cut you off but no, we can it. say this for sure firsthand because we were there. part of the schooling system right? and now as functioning adults I wonder what the fuck happened because it's it's so just and then you compare that to other countries you know and how yeah. they're doing it right and you wonder like what happened (laughs) yeah but I also I still feel like that idea of like you have to be highly educated to be a quote real feminist and quote understand like I think that's such bullshit it is but I do think that that feeling still permeates for some younger feminists who are just getting involved and sort of finding their footing in the movement I think Mm. that that can be something to scare them away which sort of frightens me I remember when I I was starting on my feminist journey and I do remember having the feeling of going to a couple of college classes and essentially feeling like I was less than because I wasn't as educated or well read on the topic as 
my peers. Mm, I see. Which yeah. is sort of weird because it was that's almost unfeminist. To be it is like, to be like I'm gonna put you down because right. you're not you aren't smarter than than me based on my certificates or my diplomas. Correct. Therefore, you can't talk about the subject. Therefore, you are which is like you just said totally against what exactly feminism is is, yeah. suppo- is standing for. Yeah. And so I do worry about like modern day feminism. Sorry to go off on a tangent, guys. I am worried about modern day feminists and the younger feminists who want uh, who want to be a part of the movement and are perhaps maybe not as welcomed because Mm -hmm. they aren't as educated or feel like they're not welcomed. Right. Yeah. I think that this was also the wave where like feminism took on a bit of a classist. Yeah. um, A bit of a classist tone. Sure. If you will. Yeah. So, so there's that. This was also the uh, wave of feminism that brought to us the vagina monologues. Oh, yes. By Eve Ensler. Mm. Can we just talk? We're actresses. So allow us to sort of muse on this for a second. I was not a fan of vagina monologues. Really? I was not a huge fan. I thought that it was great when it first came out. I saw a really awesome performance of it. And then I felt like every high school girl was doing a monologue from vagina Uh, monologues everyone was doing vagina monologues everyone yep some were great some were not great i just felt like vagina monologues became became the shit well yeah but it also became like overexposed it was sort of like anne hathaway remember when anne hathaway was fucking everywhere and everyone loved her and then she just was like everywhere too much and people got sick of her yeah that's kind of how i felt about vagina monologues interesting where there was a part of me that was like okay i get it this this play talks about vaginas and i get that we're all up here saying the word vagina and we feel like it's provocative Mm. um but are we putting on a good show i don't know like are we doing vagina monologues because we want to or are we doing it so we can just say vagina 15 times sure 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 i think i think whatever you have to say or feel about that is totally valid i think regardless (laughs) like i as an artist i Uh understand where you're coming from where it's like are you doing it because you know you really have like this is your truth and this is the story you want to tell or are you doing this because everyone else is doing it and so you you have to sort of respect it and want to give it dignity and want to do your best with it you know in the sense of that it it is something precious and that whoever wrote it intended it to be personal and real yeah and so i can see how if something is not as good then 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 it's doing whatever the 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 author um you're like in a not in a sense letting letting the author down or letting the actual stories down, which as an artist I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Regardless, though, I think it was extremely empowering. Um, I was definitely empowered in the beginning. Yeah, and then I think as I saw more and more productions of it, and like it felt like every friend of mine who was auditioning for colleges for theater was doing a yeah. monologue from yeah, like I, I just remember. got. It just got I just too... saw someone doing it the other day. I saw a post of like the vagina monologues, blah blah blah, at this theater at seven p.m. and I was like, still. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember it's having this mass. thought, and I was like, wow. I was like, all right. I was like, I'm so proud to be part of an all women cast, and I was like, great for you. But I was like, still. <laughs> like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, that's side note. That's well, funny. all that said, intersectionality was really the key in third wave feminism because it acknowledged that the. Uh, the but well, go ahead and explain a little bit of intersectionality because I don't think a lot of people maybe know that term or have heard about it as much. Maybe for our audience. So intersectionality is where. Uh, Feminism or being a woman lies at the intersection of race, of sexual orientation, of class, of socioeconomic background. So essentially, if you are not a white cisgendered woman, intersectionality would be how being a woman and being black or being a woman and being gay Gay. or how being a woman and being poor Affects affects your view of the world at large, mostly, right. yes. and then your view of feminism. Right. It's almost like an all-inclusive right. sort of uh, term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's the idea that a, a cisgender white 
woman's view of the world is going to be very different than someone who was Latina and gay and poor. Correct. And it's about really acknowledging those differences. Yes. In terms of this movement. It's about acknowledging that I get that maybe as a as a upper middle class, straight, cisgendered, African-American woman, my struggles in life are going to be different than a trans, Latina, upper middle class woman. Totally. But that doesn't mean that her struggles and her life choices are any different or any or any less valid than yeah. mine, or should not or, or denied or not included, right? Exactly. In, 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 in telling or in um in pushing for this movement to be, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. And you might have perhaps you know this phrase, the phrase "white girl feminism." Yeah, that's essentially that's quote unquote like basic bitch feminism, <laughs> but that's the idea that like. That's the bland version of feminism. Yeah. Like that's what And it's so much more colorful and right. complex than when you actually what you actually think and going into it you see how how complex the movement or the term or whatever it is that you want to call it really is. Right. Uh if you're not white, I guess. Exactly. In that sense. Yeah. So I mean intersectionality was really important in terms of building all women up. Um One thing that I think also sort of came about in this movement, and I think we can thank the vagina monologues for this, was this idea that if you were a if you had a vagina, you were, quote, a real woman. Mm. And there was a backlash because essentially if you believed that, if you believe that if you have a vagina, you're a, quote, real woman. It was problematic because you are basically invalidating the identity of the trans community. You're sort of leaving the trans community out. out. And just because a, a a man going through the change and is becoming a woman, right. her journey towards womanhood is no different than my or your journeys yeah. towards womanhood. Cause, yeah, because the idea of actually maybe having a vagina versus identifying your soul as being a woman, right? Even though you're in a man's body, right? Is is disregarding such human fundamental rights? Yeah, that that they should have. Correct. Right. And for me, like, if you are a woman, I don't care if I can obviously tell you've been through the transformation or you're going through it. If you are presenting yourself as a woman to me, you're a woman. Yeah. No question about it. No question about it. You don't have to have the same. No. Uh, puberty experiences that I I did that Mm -mm. in our modern society tells us well once you have a period you're a woman like that to me has always been sort of bogus and really um, limiting yeah I totally agree so (laughs) that takes us to today which is fourth wave feminism which isn't necessarily classified as its own Wave, it's almost be- like bleeding in from out of the third. Yeah, because there's a lot of overlap between mm-hmm. third and fourth wave feminism. Yes, I, I think the biggest difference with fourth wave feminism is the presence of social media. Huge. I think social media has changed so much as far as access, right? You know, to yeah. to see it and to feel it, and how fast mm-hmm. the news is. You know. Um, how fast you hear from one story to another, especially in the trans world. Yeah. People constantly telling their stories all the time. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so fast and easily uh, easily grasped that 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 I feel like just in this past year with all of those, you know, like all the sexual harassment, the Me Times too, Up, times the Up. Me Too, yeah. um, the Women's March. You know, there's just so much that's actually happened within these past two years. Yeah. Uh, blows my mind (laughs) totally and so i think the biggest difference with social media comes the creation excuse me of call out culture Mm. so with this particular wave of of feminism it's more public because it's online because it's on social media and anyone can see it yeah and it's more about the micro um like the micro policies, if you will, the way that we ex- that we the way that we express sexism in everyday life, like the rhetoric that we use uh, online, okay, is a great example of that. Or like hashtag Me Too movement, sure, a really public and non-academic way mm-hmm. of being a feminist yeah. and creating change. I was actually just gonna say when you were mentioning about how. Uh, it, you think you were talking about the second or third wave movement where it wasn't or. When you were saying how it, it it sort of felt like really academic. Third, yeah. Third. And so if you weren't academic, you didn't feel as if maybe you had so much of a right to be part of it. Mm-hmm. But I think 
this whole Me Too and, you know, the Time's Up movement, especially because it's so driven by the media. Correct. That for the first time, it's, you know, if you like a celebrity and the celebrity saying Time's Up or Me Too, then, then, then it makes it okay for you to say it, even though you're only... You know, I don't know, 15, and yeah. you're just, you know, like a young girl, but you've had some kind of experience, you know? Like- totally. And it seems like the goal of this particular wave of feminism is agency. Yeah. Having agency over one's body, having agency over one's sexuality. Mm-hmm. We've got things like body positivity is on the up and up. Yeah. In this wave of feminism, we've got Amber Rose's very famous slut walk. Yeah. We've got the sexual harassment right. awareness being raised. So I think agency is the goal for this particular, this particular wave. Particular of wave, yeah. But this wave of feminism also is is bringing in a lot of younger girls. It is. Who, again, like probably haven't gone through college yet, but are still like, I can get involved. Right. I can make a change in my local community or my community at mm-hmm. large, which I think is really great. I think, too, if, they're, if they identify with any kind of actress mm-hmm. um, who is sort of um, maybe is academic, academic or not, if they even identify through these actresses through their movies they feel a sense of closeness and they feel a sense of respect to them and I think that allows them to sort of say or be or do whatever they want because if hey I, I've, I, I've respected this actress my whole life and mm-hmm. she's saying this I love her right. then I'm going to be inspired to do it myself regardless or not if she's academic or not though some people would argue that's may, might not be the best way to yeah I don't I don't think it's utilize feminism I don't think it's bad or it's good but I think if anything it's a reflection that if she's able to speak up about this or be confident about this then maybe I can too Definitely. For sure. So that's our not so brief uh, history of feminism. So let's take it back to our show topic, which is when did feminism become an excuse? There's a lot of arguments and opinions out there about so much. Yeah. And I think what I I think what I've gathered from just reading, reading, reading about this is that some people feel as though there's two forces at play. There's the feminist movement. Mm -hmm. That's force number one. But then we're also in this day and age where there's a self-empowerment movement going on, too. That sort of bleeds in and out. Right. But it has a lot to do with, you know, like you said, body, image. Right. Everything. Um I think that that, that 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 if anything in these past years have with the presence of social media have been strengthened. Mm-hmm. I think the the confusing thing for me is feminism is a movement that includes all women. Yeah. Versus a self empowerment movement, which is based on the individual. Right. And I think that that's where you get a lot of people saying, "I don't like feminists," and it's. Probably not that you don't like feminists. It's that you probably don't like one particular lady's version of feminism. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly where there's so many versions and there's so many ways to sort of go about it Mm -hmm. that that I think a self-improvement is sort of like an inward journey versus feminism. Not only is it an inward journey, I think, but it's also collective and whole and you can relate to you know it's more inclusive as far as like more outward in a sense Mm -hmm. um the biggest thing to me though of of how it sort of this whole movement or an excuse is that i think people have forgotten that it's it's not just about women yeah it's also i was hoping you would say that you know it's not just about it's this thing of like it's all about the women and it's no it's when we're talking equality we're talking both genders here it's yeah. empowering and and letting women and men know these social norms that aren't acceptable and that they don't have to uphold if they don't want to right. a women have to be submissive and docile and listen to everything b or or the counterpart of men having to control everything and and needing to be strong and not right. ha- feeling emotions and all of those societal you know, uh, restrictions that just kind of hold you back, hold them back. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's almost like like the removal of the masculine societal restrictions that just sort of 
can empower them to be more emotional if they really are more emotional or if they're having an emotional moment, yeah. you know? And then it's allowing women to to just be free and be the, the person they want to be regardless of who or what is talking to them. Definitely. I think also because this is very much a woman's time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what they say, like, we're in the age of the Aquarius. Yeah. That song from Hair. Oh, you're just, such a hippie. I I'm was actually sorry. just talking about 2018. The oh, year of I'm the like woman. the age of Aquarius. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was really more hitting up on the fact that a lot of people such think that hippie. 2018 <gasps> is the year of the woman. And I do think that for some women, they take that and go, this is our year. Men, you guys have been oppressors and oppressing Yeah, and it's us. your time to die. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much what it feels pretty like, much. which sort of angers me because I think that it it's women like that kill the movement for all of us. Yeah, and that's for what sure. pisses me off. I hate the fact that the stereotype of a feminist is this angry, yeah. brash, aggressive, aggressive men hating, unattractive yeah. anti men, isolating stereotype, and and it, that we all want to destroy all men. But I'm sure there's plenty of women that are like. I love men. Like, yeah, you know? I know there are plenty like, of women out there. That's like, a fact. That's a fact. And so, this idea that that it's sort of been distorted in that you know where right. it's like, well, fuck all these men. You know, it's their fault. And like we were saying before, it's it's not all the men that did this. No, because I think it's worth mentioning that like women are highly competitive with other women. Our society has sort of bred us to be that. Yeah. We, Do you know what I mean? Through Yeah, through just the simple fact that we have to give birth, you know, and that we have to go through something like that. It makes us having have to be strong and to fight back and i think it's also we're saying that not every woman out there is out for the betterment of other women hello right the roy moore almost election oh my gosh and all of those women that voted for him i think seriously that's a great... or women being involved in the alt-right movement there you go women supporting the alt-right movement right you know what how do, how do you what like that that blows my mind i know i get you and so so i i think to answer our question I think anytime there's a movement that people feel like they can benefit from, I think that's when you get people coming out of the woodworks going, oh, I'm a feminist. I can use this to my advantage, whether it's to get ahead a little bit in life, get a drink at a bar 10 minutes before someone else. Like, I think that you're always going to have those people that are looking for a quick, fast fix. Right. Like just to hop on. And right. like take that and use it for their whatever they think is their own good. Fair weather feminists. Yeah. I, I want to say like fair weather feminists suck, but to say that I feel is so non-feminist. That right. I, I can't even really say that right. with good faith. Yeah. It, yeah. Because it's interesting to me where like some women have said like, oh God, like I hate, I hate that word and all this stuff. And it was just so, and then, and then those start going back from those two stories that you told, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like. When did this begin and how did it begin? And I think it's it's a combination of, first of all, the movement itself. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, people have acted in certain ways that aren't appropriate. You know, like, when did it be when when, when did it become OK to just have bad behavior right. and say that you just because you're a feminist? And I think there's so much focus on the women and maybe not enough on the men or not a conversation about the men enough or or that that men are the cause of this or the root of this or that they're all evil and i think it just becomes this kind of become something else than what it really was originated to be right because not all men are bad let's not forget about our former 44th president god barack we miss you so much (laughs) come back barack come back who in his own way was i mean he had two daughters huge advocate for women's rights and women's reproductive rights like he i think sometimes when women when feminists say all men are bad that is inherently sexist and i feel like you can't Sexism goes both ways. Right. It Do you know really what I mean? Does. You can't say all men are bad, but then when a man has the audacity to say, well, I don't like feminist, he's a sexist. But the right. woman that says all men are bad, 
gets to skate by. Right. Like, I don't think that that's or right. I think back, like, in your childhood, like, I'm sure some of these women that are feminists had great fathers. Mm-hmm. And so where do they get off saying that all men are evil, you know? Right. Like, if you had a great father and who was really there for you and took care of you and taught you more than you'd ever imagined and was everything you've ever, you know, where? how do you, how can you say that, you know? Yeah. Or if you have a brother that you're really close to and has always been good to you or something along the lines of, like, Take a second look and just like really think about what you're about to say or what you really believe in. It's like I think questioning those limiting beliefs or those beliefs that you a you don't even know how you started to believe in it. You just decided or someone said something or you were young and boom, you had that belief and it kind of the belief just runs you your whole life. Right. And then you wonder why you you say something like that and people react a certain way and yeah. then and then and then you're the one giving just a bad reputation for something that is actually supposed to be good and mm-hmm. liberating. Was your mom a feminist? Or, I'm sorry, is your mom a feminist? Because I know your uh, mom is still alive. <laughs> she's still alive. She's dead. <laughs> no, don't worry, Mom. Um, I think just in the pure fact of my mom being a single mother mm-hmm. and raising two kids, that itself, that in of itself was an act of feminism for me. Got it. Oh, wow. And I think I subconsciously learned that, like, probably from day one Hmm. Um, because she never and because she had to be kind of both mother and father Mm -hmm. she's been always such a strong mother figure to me but or like just a strong figure in general regardless if she's my mother or not but I think that in of itself was an act of feminism Um, yeah and I've never I've never really heard her or or I felt anything from her of like putting women down or saying that you can't do it because you're a woman because she had to do everything that a man couldn't do Mm -hmm. wait wait she had to do everything yeah a man couldn't that a man that a man couldn't do am i saying this right she had to do everything that a man uh like growing up she had to be a a mom and a dad oh okay i see what you're saying she had to do what the role of, of of a father and being tough and i mean i think it already helps that her character is that yeah uh and so I think she's always sort of had this, like, you can do it. If anyone can, you can. You don't need a man to help you, in a, yeah. in a sense. But it's never been, like, you don't need a man to help you and fuck all these men. Right. You know, she's never to ever in my life said, you know, because, you're, you, because, you, my father, because your father and I didn't work out, then all, all the men out there are bad. Like, mm-hmm. she's never taught me that lesson. Got it. For sure. So. so I don't know if I would say my mom was necessarily a feminist or if she was she definitely didn't like claim the title she's more traditional in that sense yeah like her and I are very margin Lisa Simpson like very much where my mom is able to identify the injustices right and understand on a certain level correct exactly but I don't think that she made it her mission to like fight the man yeah instead she made it her mission to instill the values that I think your mom instilled in you, which is you can do anything. You don't need a man. You've got everything that you need right up here in your mind. Like it's all going to be good. Yeah. Um, I do have a semi vivid memory of when I was young and I wanted to do Girl Scouts and we went to like, not exactly the first meeting quote unquote, but I think it was like an introductory meeting. Yeah. At uh someone's house. And I uh-huh. remember it was almost like big little lies. It was like you had the like <laughs> stay at home moms and you had the few working women because it was like four o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Like women that have careers were still at work and had yeah. to shuck and jive to get off in time. And I remember the kids going one way and the parents going another. And at a certain point, my mom grabs me, not literally, but is like, hey, girl, we're leaving, walks out. And she's like sort of visibly angry. And I was like, what's going on? Can I do Girl Scouts? And she was like, no, I will not put you a bunch of grown, educated women who don't work. Oh and that moment has always stuck really? with me. And that moment, even though I say that my mom wasn't a feminist, like she don't, I don't think she claimed the title. That to me was a very feminist thing to tell your young daughter because it has still reverberated through me throughout the years and I don't think I'll ever forget that moment Wow! and I don't know if my mom like realized that she was imparting as strong of a memory and as strong of a work ethic and as as much determination as she has imparted in me as she did in that moment yeah but I definitely remember having a very serious imprint left on me about the roles of women in this Mm. world and how 
we need to use every talent, skill, and, and piece of education we have to do better in this world. Right. Amen to that. Yeah. Um. So, so your mom worked. Yeah, my mom is a total career so woman. So did she see someone who was a stay-at-home mom as less than? So I couldn't figure it out because I was in another room. So I, what I'm assuming, I'm assuming it played out like big little lies. Like, honestly, I'm assuming that they went into a room. They probably were like, okay, moms have to do X amount of chaperoning yeah. or I don't know what Just you giving call hours. That. Yeah. And my mom was probably like, um, I work. I'm fully employed. I am the superintendent of Long Beach Unified School District. Wow. I cannot just take off work to come and run around with these kids while they try yeah. and sell cookies. Right. Like, that's not really going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm assuming something was said to her. Yeah. And knowing my mom, she was probably like, oh, I'm out. Goodbye. Like, I'm collecting my child. <laughs> I am mama. collecting my things. <laughs> and we are leaving. Like, we are out. That would be a great episode in in in, in of itself of just, like, because I was talking to this about someone with someone the other day. And I have huge life examples of, like, and I, and as I was researching for this episode, I saw a lot of commentary on, like, women who do decide to just be home and be that stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. How do they feel? Are they looked down upon? Is that their full potential? Is that what they want? Do they want more? Right. And then the women who either do that and then go back to work or go to work and then decide to be that, like, it's just, it's fascinating to mm-hmm. me because I think if you really want to be at home and that is your forte and you really want to raise the kids, oh, there was this, it was, it was this, it was this statistic it was this statistic of that even though the mom and the hu- the wife and the husband worked the same amount of hours outside of the home, mm-hmm. had equal, like, you know, equal jobs, the women still ended up being, the like, the more primary ca- ter- caretaker than oh, yeah. the kids. Which makes sense, but I don't, I'm not saying that that's okay. No. It was just then I just thought of, like... That's interesting. And what about those women who just decide to stay at home and that's what they want to do and love and are fulfilled? Or women who leave their careers and decide to do that, you know? like Yeah. I mean, I think that it's worth saying that if you are a career woman, even when you clock out the work, if you're a career woman and mother, once you clock out, the job is not done. It's just no. a different job. Yeah, absolutely. My mom was the one making lunches. My mom was the one toting me to all of my... After school. After school events. My mom was the one that was setting up my social calendar and making sure that I had all of my slumber parties in place and had rides to get to and from. So, like, my mom was that mother and Mm. she's very type a that's where I get it from and I love her so much for it but yeah I think that we sort of forget that women do more hours of work and when I'm talking about work I'm not talking about in an office or in a cubicle I'm talking about in and out of the job right and I think that that should change that and then if I were to say about feminism and equality and that's where I would talk about the husband's role in this Mm -hmm. you know of how of that that classic come home, pop a beer, check out, kids are playing, you know, let yeah. them mom. I think, and I'm not saying that all men are this or that I'm, I mean, I don't know anything. I'm not married. I don't have kids or husband. But I'm just saying that that, if we're going to talk about complete equality, then the, the father's role in the kid's life have to be even more equal with the mother. I see what you're saying. You're like that's, saying that's like, something to strive for. Yeah, like you're saying like men can pack lunches. Yeah. Men can get the kids dressed. Men can iron some clothes. Men can do hair. Yeah. Like we can employ right. our men to do more. Yeah. And empower them and know that that is something that not only will benefit you and your child, yeah. but then it'll start to break these societal norms and these gender norms yes. that, that contribute to something like this as well. Yeah. Regardless of whether we know it or not, on a subconscious level, it affects the way we think and the way we talk mm-hmm. about this movement. Yeah. And so I, there are, and I think with the help of, like, there's so many viral videos of dads doing their baby's hairs, like I've yes. seen. Oh, my God. You know? Caesar, our, our, our friend oh, Caesar, yeah. our friend, we have a friend named Caesar. He has a young hey, daughter. Caesar. And he, a couple days ago, was like, guess what I did today, Alon? I was like, what did you do today, Caesar? He was like, I braided my daughter's hair. And I was like, <laughs> you go. You braid that girl's hair and you'd be happy about it. I think yeah. we should empower men we to should. be able to step up yeah. and play 
I don't want to say a more active role because everyone's dad role is different and different. some dads are more hands-on than yeah. others. But I don't think that things like getting your kid dressed and doing their hair should yeah. be relegated to, to the woman's, the woman's role. Exactly. And so that's what I'm saying as far as just the break, the, the equality of... Because I was talking to the, to these two men at the restaurant the other day. Oh, the, that you sat them down and you were like, oh, he's from Spain. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So I was talking to them for a while. They were chatterboxes. They were sexist. And, oh, for sure. For sure. And they were talking to me about their divorces mm-hmm. and their new wives mm-hmm. and their massage ladies. And I was like, all right, yep. where is this going? But he said, you know, uh, he said that he was going through a divorce with his wife and that the kids... Uh, chose the mom mm-hmm. because he wasn't around because he was working. Got it. And now he's fucked because she's taken everything from him and all his money and all his properties and the kids. And so that got me really thinking like that's ne- that that should never be the case. Well, yeah, but kids don't understand reasoning like that. No, of course not. But clearly if the husband is out all day and working, then and he does come home and maybe does or doesn't connect with his kids or when he can you know, dress the child before he goes to work or braid the child's hair before he he leaves for work. I don't know, just I'm talking about the roles, how the roles can be changed and more, be more equal mm-hmm. in the sense that everyone wins. The child gets more love from both parents. Agreed. The wife can sleep in 10 more minutes and doesn't totally. have to wait. You know, like that. That that's where I would, that's kind of obviously the trickling down of like this equality of like that, that I'm talking about in a sense. I like that you're making these guys seem like <laughs> nice sexist because I definitely took issue when these two particular men were like you'll understand when you're a mom and I remember clapping back that's what and they said like, to you what if I don't want to be a mom and how dare you assume that just because I am a woman and that I want to be a mom that I want to be a mom or that that's all my body is good for is right. to pop out kids yeah. they were super sexist and that's why I took it I took it upon myself to be like just talking to them and almost just kind of getting some firsthand experience on, on, on what these kind of men are like and mm-hmm. and and that that hopefully more and more men are becoming aware of that they don't have to be these kind of roles. They don't have to be this. Yeah. They can be different and totally. that that different is good. Yeah, for you sure. Know? So yeah. So how do we fix this is the question. How do oh, we yo, fix yo, 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 feminism as an excuse? As an excuse. Because I think the first step is just like, don't use it as an excuse. Don't ever. Any any, <laughs> any don't. woman out there, just don't ever fucking use it as an excuse. Just don't. Ever. But I think we have to employ women all around to, to, to not only hold men to not being sexist, but I think that we have to employ these women to also hold their female friends to the same yeah, standard. I agree. I hate when my female friends call another woman whether they know her or not a slut yeah that really irks me yeah because it's not good for us it's not good for the movement and it's it's just that word i just sort of get weird when i have to say it because it's just so uncomfortable for me but i just think that if we're trying to uh lift as we climb so to speak sure then i think that we have to hold lift as we climb i like that yeah, I feel like we have to hold our female friends to the same standards that we would want for other women living in the world today. Yeah. So if you wouldn't want to be called a slut, but your girlfriend calls girls sluts, pull her aside yeah. and nicely say, girl, I know I know you know better than this. Yeah. I know your yeah. mama raised you better. I, yeah. I'm, I know that you're feeling some sort of feelings towards this person, be it jealousy, be it envy, whatever. Right. But come on now. Let's yeah. not tear each other down. Right. In that regard. Right. I think it, I think it definitely takes a certain level of awareness mm-hmm. that we're not always so used to coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we I don't think if we don't have a certain level of awareness and the, the cycle will just perpetuate itself. Yeah. Uh, so. So, yeah, it, it is that of where, where do you where do you see it in your everyday life on a personal note? Mm hmm. That's the first step, I think. And maybe with yourself. Like, if I ever have thoughts of that girl being a slut, being like, what is it really underneath it? Because it's not about her being a slut. No. It's about me either being jealous or me, you know, feeling disgusted or me this. And then going beneath that and being like, well, why? And how is that okay? Or why is it not okay? And just really kind of like, you know, looking back and, and seeing all of that. And I think the more we can do that the better we'll get about, like, just catching it right away. Well, let's say for sake of argument, this girl is a slut and, like, likes to have sex and, 
likes to be promiscuous, there is nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, then you just let her be and you come from a place of love and you say, totally. hey, to each its own. If she wants to go and do that, she can do that. Yeah, I think we need to talk less and listen more. Oh, that's huge. Like, I think that we're in this time where because everyone's got their own <sighs> platform via social media or via Facebook. Stories, I think that, Snapchat. Yeah. Everyone's constantly talking into their phone and everyone everyone wants a little piece of your life. Right, but I don't feel like enough people are listening. And when I say listening, I'm not talking about hearing words. I'm talking about active and engaged right. listening. So being present. Correct. Completely 100 percent present that's different than listening up until a certain point and then you get your your rebuttal yeah, plan yeah, 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 and then yeah. it's like well i'm going in yeah i'm not even going to finish hearing what you have right. to say because you've already said enough or as you're listening and maybe you're not replying you're replying in your head right everything that you want to say oh i hate when people do that we can see it. people who do that we can see it in your eyes yeah. like we can see that you've stopped listening and right. you are thinking about what you right. have to say yeah and as my father would say if you're doing that there's shit you ain't listening <laughs> That's what he would say. Anyways, um, I think we have told. Oh, I was one last point. I think that it's always good. I think we always come back to this point. Uh-huh. I think it's always good to look inside and realize that everyone walking this earth can be a little sexist. Yes. It might be obvious sexism. It might be really subtle sexism. Yes. It might be casual sexism. Yes. Everyone can be sexist. And I think in those moments where you're. Uh, being sexist, I think it's good to take a moment, examine what's happening inside of yourself. Why do you feel like this? Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool to own if you are being sexist towards the person you're being sexist to. Yo, Jackie, I'm sorry. I just told you that really. Se- I just gave you that really sexist remark. My bad. I didn't yeah. mean to. Right, 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 right. I'm trying to do better. Forgive yeah. me or whatever. Right. Um, I agree. I think I think owning it is really important and just realizing like. What you're putting out into the world, you know, based with your with your thoughts, with your words, with your interaction, with your friends, all of that. And I think the more woke you can become, the more responsible you can become about your thoughts and your words, it has an effect, regardless mm-hmm. if you know it or not. Right. Maybe you're just talking to someone about it or you're acknowledging and someone else hears you and, and a stranger and it says, oh, I right. do that. You know, I, I do that all the time. And, and, and then it's like a domino effect, you yeah. know? And totally. so... So don't ever use it as an excuse. And just I think like I feel like we always come back to this to this note of just like look in within yourself and just do your best to, to start there. Because if you if you can't don't start with yourself, there's nothing else that can yeah, that definitely. can be changed at all. And if you're not sure if you're using feminism as an excuse, maybe stop, take a second and just ask yourself, is my claiming to be a feminist in this particular situation only a benefit to me? To me? Or is it a benefit to women as a whole would you have said something to that girl um at the right time in the given moment would you say something yeah right time and given moment i probably would have said something she was a couple drinks in so it wasn't even as though if i said something it wasn't going to To even even go through yeah yeah she wanted her drink and she wanted to cut in front of a bunch of guys because let's be real like you know we are in this day and age where women are having a moment so it would have been you know had he said fuck feminist to this girl who said well i'm a feminist so deal with it he would have looked like the bad yeah guy. he would have you know what i yeah, mean yeah absolutely yeah and i i mean i'm a big believer of like what goes around comes around so at some point i'm sure that they'll 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 have to confront mm-hmm. what it is that they're really hiding behind or not wanting to uh, deal with and acknowledge and maybe using a, a word, a powerful word like that to sort of hide behind from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's that, that's where I stand with that. Cool. All well, right. thank you for tuning in for another great episode. If yes. you would like to reach out to us, Jackie and I here at the podcast, find us on Instagram at Black and Yellow Podcast, or you can find us individually. I'm Alana Webster, but on Instagram, I am at Renegade of Fun. And I am Jacqueline Chung Young. Uh, where did where did Renegade of Fun come from? It's so it's like <laughs> so it's a song, and the originator of that song was an '80s DJ named Africa Bambata, and then Ooh. it was covered by my favorite band, Rage Against the Machine. Ah, so it was sort of like an homage to both because I love Africa Bambata's crazy Zulu Nation eclectic style and anyone that knows me knows I love fashion Yeah, and then I love Rage Against the Machine so it was my way of paying homage to both of them because it's a lovely name thank you you're welcome thanks well thank you guys I hope you like this one and that you 
Uh, if you have any thoughts, comments, let us know, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you to Christian Humes at Zeitheist who produced this. Yes. And we'll be you. back next week for a great episode. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.